Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Monday. It is January 8th, and the Green Bay Packers are going to the playoffs. Talk about what has been an incredible season already. The future, everything, just the whole thing is absolutely absurd. We're also going to give out quick golden kegs. We're then going to talk about my theory on, oh no, the Bucks being at an all-time low vibes-wise and my Tyler Kolick Road Theory. We're gonna try to have a very tight podcast. I apologize to you. I'll be honest, I was at Lambeau, I drained. uh, So I don't have as much time to give you guys this podcast, I'm sorry. Um, We will certainly talk in great detail all week about the shows. Um, If you are new to the program, um, we do this four days a week. Usually our Mondays are longer than what today will be. we have one one time a week with my guy Mitch, and this week I don't have the schedule, so I apologize for that. Uh, and we, we we usually yeah either Tuesday or Wednesday, usually a day off in there. Um, and yeah, we that's how we do it. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. We uh, you can be social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok as well as Facebook. So make sure you're following along. We're getting very close to a thousand followers on now the X platform on the X slash Twitter. So that's really exciting. All right, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and making the playoffs. I had the fortune to be at Lambeau Field for the home opener and the home ender. Um, I was there in, in September against New Orleans where the Green Bay Packers had this incredible comeback and the fans were entirely behind Jordan Love but you, you know, kind of looked under the hood and maybe, you know, in the back of your head were like, well, I don't know. I don't know how good this team is. They were 2-1 at that time. But this amazing comeback win, a Bears team who did not look great to start the year. Um, we'll, we'll put a pin on that. But And then they blew one against Atlanta. So they were 2-1 at that point. They're playing Detroit four days later. They have a decent amount of confidence. Maybe that fourth quarter coming into that will carry them to this showdown on Thursday night against the Lions. And the Lions absolutely bully them up and down the field. They they get out to a huge lead. The Packers do kind of come back, uh, but it is just an absolute massacre by Detroit. Detroit's fan base is all over Lambeau Field. And at that point, Green Bay had went into a tailspin. And so, you know, after that game, I kind of felt like, okay, I really watched like the Packers of this year are really those three quarters against New Orleans. And that was the team that I watched. And suddenly just things got better. Jordan Love became a franchise quarterback. Jordan Love was awesome starting in the middle of November and really has not stopped. And you can argue that Jordan Love is the hottest quarterback heading into the playoffs. I don't think anyone wants to see Jordan Love lined up under center against their team in the playoffs. I don't know any other quarterback that I would put at that level right now. Maybe Lamar Jackson, uh, maybe Brock Purdy, but I I think Purdy is very much a stretch. Jackson for sure. And then maybe maybe Dak Prescott. Like They're guys who just played well all year, but there's a difference between you've played all well all year and you're on a heater. And we have seen guys go on heaters in the playoffs and A, make a ton of money, but B, 
get to a Super Bowl, get win a Super Bowl. Like that is not uncommon. That has happened in the NFL more often than maybe we think it does. But for the Green Bay Packers to end the year with seeing on the Lambeau Field Jumbotron playoff bound after a 17 to nine victory and getting here, it is arguably one of the more improbable Packer seasons. This is a rebuild year. This was a year where Green Bay, best case scenario, had nine wins or 10 wins, right? And yes, they made the playoffs, but I think ultimately you just wanted to make sure you knew what your future was with Jordan Love, how these young guys would pan out. Green Bay, you know, took a ton of shit, including from me, that they were too young, that they were just this young football team and there wasn't enough there for them to sort of have the veteran leadership. Well, Green Bay is now the youngest team to make the playoffs in NFL history, and the future is extremely fucking bright. I do not know a team in the NFL that has a brighter future than the Green Bay Packers. They are going to be a contender to win the Super Bowl next year. I would imagine their odds are going to be top five, top seven. If they're not, you better hammer those in February because they will they will decrease as the year goes on. They are going to be right there with the Detroit Lions when it comes to the division. They are going to be right there with the top teams in the NFC. And the Green Green Bay has sort of expedited that sort of the future, the window. Like we always talk about the the dreaded window and being like, oh, the window's closing on so-and-so or, you know, but this window that has opened up for the Green Bay Packers opened up a couple months early. This window was not supposed to be open yet, but now it is, and it's gonna be wide open for a while because they have an abundance of young talent on both sides of the ball. They have a team chemistry, a group of guys that absolutely loves each other. And this isn't a slight to 12. I know a lot the 12 haters, people who really dislike Aaron Rodgers, would say, well, that's all Rodgers-based. No, it was this weird mind meld of veterans and rookies or veterans and young guys. And yes, did Rodgers do a bad job of cultivating a locker room? Yes, as the quarterback, he did. But I will say that it's a difference when you're playing with a bunch of guys who are your age versus, you know, a kind of a blend, right? Like you can relate to everybody. There is nothing that would make you think that not everybody is friends. I'm sure there's guys that, oh, you're annoyed by, oh, you got a text from so-and-so, you're like, fuck, I don't want to hang out with you or, or X, Y, Z. But like, this is how you have a very connected team. As I, I said, I think after the Giants loss, I was like, well, yeah, it was like a letdown loss like in college because this is like a college team on steroids because they're all just super young dudes. And that's where you look and you're like, whoa, this has a chance to be really, really special. And this season was just so much fun. I had just a great time. I've had great seasons with Rodgers. I've had a lot of fun, you know, whether it was the run the table year, whether it was 2014, whether it was 2020, which was great, or 2021, which was pretty solid too. Like I've had a lot of fun Rodgers years. But that said, like the improbable factor of this, the holy shit, this might work is just another level of fun. And I, you know, I'm really just thankful for, you know, that the Packers were able to do this and we had this NFL season. So yes, the Packers have accomplished 
a goal of making the playoffs. And now the chance to potentially get to the Super Bowl, the path is daunting, right? You play Dallas, and Green Bay has had Dallas's number throughout the years, ever since Favre. Green Bay has had Dallas's number. Aaron Rodgers, you know, won a Super Bowl in AT&T Stadium. The Packers have won playoff games in AT&T Stadium under different regimes, coincidentally, Mike McCarthy. And now Jordan Love has his chance to inflict pain on the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think it's going to be easy. The Cowboys have been a great home team all season long. And if you really want to go with the Favre-Love comparison, Love would struggle, right? Love would have issues with the Cowboys. But he's, again, I think is the hottest quarterback heading into the into the playoffs. And if they were to win, they would then go to San Francisco, the hated rival, the team who has been the Cowboys of the 90s, and then we'll, we'll see from there. Um, it, it, that, to me, is, is such a hard path. Like, if even if they were to beat Dallas and San Francisco, I mean, the, then it's like, how much more do you have left in this tank? But they are a well-connected football team. They really are. And they're really sort of finding, finding themselves at the right time. So yes, I do think the sky is the limit. I'm not going to get myself too fired up and say, oh yeah, this team is definitely going to make the Super Bowl because it is just a really, really hard path. But I'm still, I, you never know, right? Football is a weird sport. This has been a weird year in general for the NFL. This is not necessarily one of those years where it's sort of like, okay, it's this upper echelon of teams and that's everybody else. There's only two teams that are kind of in that upper echelon between Baltimore and San Francisco. And everybody believes that that is going to be the Super Bowl. I will tell you that usually when that happens, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, or baseball, something fucks it up. Something fucks that up, and it doesn't. It doesn't end up that way. And well, I hope it's the Green Bay Packers. I hope it's the Green Bay Packers that are the ones that are the thorn in the side that are playing the spoiler role. But we'll just sort of have to see how it all shakes out, how it all transpires. But I don't think anyone wants to see this Packers team. I said, you know, after the Chiefs win, they were the most dangerous team of the NFL. And then Green Bay goes on to lose to the Giants and to the Buccaneers and kind of hits this little dip, like this slight dip of like, okay, we got to kind of figure it out. Then you survive Carolina, which doesn't necessarily bring the dip back up. And now you dominate the Bear, the Vikings and the Bears down the stretch. Your defense allows a total of 19 points. You're able to, you, so yeah, it was 50 to 19, I think would be the final result in the last two weeks. That's pretty damn good. And the Bears themselves, like, were pretty much a full team. Like, they didn't have Jalen Johnson, yes, they didn't have Darnell Moody, they lost Lucas Patrick, they were down a few guys. But still, the Packers were able to enforce their will, probably should have won by more, but took care of business and got it done and are now in the playoffs and playing the Dallas Cowboys. I cannot wait for this future. I cannot wait for the game on Sunday. I can't wait to get back to Lambeau um, and to leave Lambeau yesterday and know that this, this is just only the beginning after starting the year with the first Jordan Love start in Lambeau and thinking, yeah, this was exciting, holy shit, the adrenaline just pumping. But 
you didn't necessarily know that if you were to tell me in September that this team would make the playoffs, I don't know if I believe you, but I certainly believe you now. All right, let's do Golden Kegs. Golden Kegs is what we do after every Packer game. We go five to one. I'm going to try to go through it a little quicker because, like I said, I'm, I'm tighter on time than I'd like to be, well, which I apologize for. Um, but we'll uh, we'll give that give myself a, a one keg for that. Um, it was a it was a fun day at Lambeau. Let's just put it that way. Um, not exactly like hungover in the sense of I have a headache or anything like that, but I from like an a, a energy drain for sure. Like that definitely like got me good. Um, I, I felt like I slept it off, whatever. And it just, no, um, it was a big, I mean, it was just a, it was a raucous day, man. And it just was a lot of energy exerted uh, on that day. So I will, uh, I'll give myself a one keg hand up there. Uh, five kegs though to Jordan Love. Jordan Love was incredible in this game. I think in the moment, I didn't realize how good of a game he had. Like I looked at the box score after the game and I'm like, holy shit, he was 27 to 32 and had 316 and two touchdowns and a passer, passer rating of 128. I didn't realize it was that good for Jordan Love. That is, I mean, that is incredible. Uh, what a game for love. I mean, that is just absolutely ripping. He had some throws that were incredible, you know, in the in the stadium. You could just tell like, "Oh my god." Like the one he floated over over a defender's head. I forget. I think it was to Wicks in the corner. Like it was a he just basically had to put it in between two Bears defenders and put it in there perfectly. The Bo Melton one should have counted just because it was so fucking cool. I actually thought that was a catch. But like that, that Bolt Melton pass was unreal. Even the Dobbs one that Dobbs dropped and got hurt on, I think, um, was a, a great, you know, throw by Jordan Love. I mean, he just, he was hitting all the right reads. He had one mistake in that, or two mistakes in the game. And it was when he took the sack on third down that led to the Carlson missed field goal. And then the near interception at the end of the first, first half where he forced one. But other than that, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's so fun to watch. Um, and, oh yeah, the fumble too. But like, it's been, I mean, this was a great Jordan Love game. And again, it continues, he continues to have these great games. And I think, you know, there was not enough, I think being talked about with Jordan Love, you know, nationally. And I have to think that now that is going to be a huge discussion point, especially because they're playing the Cowboys. Like that amplifies it. I don't think Jordan Love should be the MVP. Let's let's be clear. I haven't done that video yet. I was going to last week. I never got to it. It's been an incredible run, but you still lost eight games. And I just don't know how you can you can make that that argument. Um, but still, like it was a it was a solid, great. It was not even a solid. It was a great game for Jordan Love. And to you know be in this moment where you know, all the pressure's on you and you could have easily, you know, got tight and you just embraced the pressure, you internalized the pressure and you brought it out into five incompletions, two touchdowns, nearly 10 yards per pass. Like he's fucking good, man. Um, and I know the rest of the NFC North is just, I think the rest of the NFL, honestly, I don't even think it's the NFC North. I think it's the rest of the NFL. It's like, how the fuck are they still doing this? How, how are they continually, you know, basically figuring out this system? And also too, I think what's wild to me is like, why doesn't the rest of the NFL copy it? Like if you're the bears 
And I I feel like I've seen a little bit of this, but why wouldn't you just draft, draft Caleb Williams and keep Justin Fields? I know that'd be kind of wild. And maybe if you get an offer for Justin Fields, you know, an offer you can't refuse, you take it. But why not let Caleb Williams sit like you did with, what, like the Packers did with Jordan Love? And maybe it's not the first first guys, right? Maybe it's, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, let me think. I'll have to think on that a little bit. I think that's actually a great topic, though. But, like, the teams that maybe are drafting, you know, in the late, you know, our playoff team or they are just outside the playoffs. The Saints would be a great example of this, right? You know, why not have a guy behind Derek Carr that it take, maybe he's, you know, a younger guy and it's going to be a couple of years before J.J. McCarthy, I think, would be a great example of this, even though he's not exactly a young guy. But let J.J. McCarthy sit on the bench for a year and let him kind of get acclimated to what he wants to do and then say, okay, now we're going to pull the reins off after two years and kind of do with the Packer system. I just, I think there's not a, I think this goes back to the Packers not having an owner gives them time to sort of do this kind of thing. I don't know if an owner would allow this type of thing. Who knows? Uh, we'll certainly interesting to see if anyone looks at it and says, hey, maybe we should do what the Green Bay Packers do. Moving on to other five kegs, because of course, after that type of performance, it, it's not just one guy with the 5K distinction. Quay Walker also gets a five keg for me. He had nine total tackles. He had a sack. Um, he did exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and Quay Walker you know, has, has had a really good year. I, I've been very excited what to see what the future is for him. I think the fact the Packers have unleashed him as sort of an athlete the last two weeks has been frustrating in the sense that you could have done that all year, but I'm glad they're doing it now. Um, he did a great job in terms of spying Justin Fields, and it was a really solid day uh, for Quay Walker on defense. Also, Aaron Jones, another 100-yard game for Aaron Jones. 22 carries, 111 yards. Still hasn't got in the end zone. Like, can we get Aaron Jones in the end zone next week against Dallas? Like, he's had three straight games of 100 yards or more and 20 carries or more. And going back to sort of the last year versus the year before, do, do you really think that Aaron Rodgers would have let Aaron Jones carry the ball 20-plus times three straight games? I mean, it has been... A incredible stretch for Jones uh, with 21 for 127 against Carolina, 20 for 120 against Minnesota, and 22 for 111 against Chicago. And Chicago's run defense is much better than those other two, and the holes were wide open. I mean, you got to give some credit to that offensive line that were opening them up, but like every time Jones touched the ball, it looked like he had, you know, six or seven day, you know, yards of daylight. Like, the, the combination of Love and Jones is really tough to beat. I mean, and he looks spry. He looks healthy. Uh, he doesn't look like, you know, slowed down at all. Like, this is kind of the best version of Aaron Jones. And you do wonder if they had Aaron Jones healthy all year with the Packers have Packers been a you know five or six loss team. I, I don't know if that's ridiculous, ridiculous to set. Um, so, yeah, really... Really good game from Aaron Jones, uh, who continues to play well here in the back half of the year. And I think you're crazy if you want to get rid of Aaron Jones. I, I know he's, was he 29? 29, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think you keep, you keep riding this thing until, until the wheels fall off. And yeah, you should protect yourself. It's a running back, it's running back contracts. 
But, I mean, that guy's a Packer for life, in my opinion. Like, he, to me, embolizes the Packers, and he is, to me, the leader of this team. I know Love is, you know, the quarterback, but I think Aaron Jones is the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, another 5K to Don Travian Wicks. Uh, man, six catches, 62 yards, two touchdowns. You see the Devontae Adams in him. I know a lot of people are calling him Young Tay on on the X platform and it's it's apparent right like the guy just has great hands he has great sort of first cat first step quickness that's what you saw to Devonte. he can make tough catches in traffic always has a nose for the end zone you know catching that slant pattern for the second touchdown was great uh what a find by brian gunacoos in the fifth round i mean that is just trusting your the scouting versus the quarterback. Like Virginia had terrible quarterbacks and he you know, played in a pretty rough system in Virginia. And then they said, no, we know that this Wicks guy is good. They, they had worried about his drops, which is crazy. And kind of felt like going into the season, you're like, okay, he could have like a James Jones like start where he drops a bunch of balls and gets there. And it's just maybe a one year thing. And he's just been great. And I felt like his performance over Jaden Reed, who's our four keg, uh, outweighs it. Because, like, Wicks, yes, Jaden Reed had four catches for 112, and he had a couple big catches in this game. But to me, like, there were more Wicks moments, if that makes sense, uh, than Reed moments, and it had two touchdowns, too. But Reed had a great game, too. I mean, four for 112. You know, the Bears just score. It's 14 to 9 at that point, And you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, not oh, my goodness, but it's like, oh, that sounded weird. But yes, um, uh, it's like, we're just like, oh, okay, this is stressful. You know, it adds a little bit of the blood pressure. And then Jaden Reed busts one for 59 yards. And he, you know, every time, you know, Love needed a third down. I think Reed had a couple third down conversions. Uh, he was the guy that, that Love would look at in that last drive. He found Reed on a third down as well. Um, so, I mean, really good stuff from Jaden Reed and continues to look like a wide receiver one for the Green Bay Packers. Like, even though he is a slot guy, Tyreek Hill is a slot guy too, and he's a number one wide receiver. Jaden Reed's been awesome. Carl Brooks uh, had multiple big plays in this game. Uh, I wish I could see Carl Brooks more. Uh, he just seems to always make a couple impact plays. I really have to pull the audio uh, from Murph and I talking about Carl Brooks. Um, so I have it, you know, on, that that definitely is a to-do for me uh, before the game on, on Sunday because we knew it. We knew Carl Brooks would be good. Um, and that's just such a fun thing that Murph and I had. He, at the game, I didn't see him, which was sad. And he texted me uh, as Carl made the play, the sack against Fields in the fourth was like, it's, it was always Carl. And it's, it's so true. Um, great stuff from him. Uh, five, four kegs to Bo, Donald Driver, Melton. Uh, look, I don't know, something about that 87th round pick. Uh, and dude, like Bo Melton's a dude. Like he is a guy. I, I Five catches, 62 yards, probably should have had a touchdown as we talked about. I I don't know. <laughs> it's it's crazy, but it, it he's he makes catches and he's fast as shit. Like he had 14 yards on the ground too, uh, and a couple of end arounds. Matt LaFleur brought back the end arounds. And like it was, I mean, yeah, they Bo Melton's a guy. Like you can't argue like that Bo Melton shouldn't be a part of the Green Bay Packer future. I don't think that is a hot take in the slightest. Uh so awesome stuff. Uh, from Bo Melton, uh, who continues to impress. I also want to give a 4K shout out to Devondre, Devondre Campbell. 
you know, Devondre played awful in the game against the Buccaneers. And there was a lot of back and forth about, you know, what his future was and his sort of seemingly unhappy with the organization. And then he takes two weeks off uh, to kind of get healthy um, and maybe just to kind of have a mental reset. And Campbell came back and looked great. I felt like he was involved with a lot of different plays. I feel like they were using him in different manners. Like they were just letting Quay Walker sort of patrol the middle and they were letting Campbell on the outside a little bit, rush the quarterback or just, you know, lock up with, you know, the tight end and, you know, a soft zone. I, I felt like the way they used Campbell in this game was different than they did last year and the year prior. Uh, three kegs to Kingsley, Ingenbare. Uh, Ingenbare had some nice plays, you know, in terms of stopping the run and, you know, got in there. But he also had a play, it was a third down, I think it was on that, that field goal drive, where he was basically, it was, it was, he was in between Justin Fields and the running back. So the running, I think it might have been Roshan Johnson. And he needed to let Justin Fields make a decision. And instead of letting Justin Fields make a decision, he went and tried to tackle him. And if you're going to commit to trying to make the play on the quarterback, you better be fucking sure. Like, he should have just strung that out because all Fields had was was Johnson. Like, all he had was Johnson. And try to throw over Ingenbari. Like, if anything, he should have tried to knock it down and not go after Fields. And I understand, like, in the moment, you're just like, oh, you see red. You want to hit the quarterback. But that just – that's like stuff where – that's young guy shit. Like, I think – a seven or eight year guy would do things a little bit differently. Uh, three kegs also did a tight end bash brothers. Didn't see much. Craftman did have a huge catch to seal the game. Uh, had three catches for 31 yards. Musgrave only one for 11. We didn't see the two tight end system. Green Bay might be saving it for Dallas. Um, I Look, I think you're going to see it. I think that is going to be the, the thing that you have. Uh, two kegs to Anders Carlson. God damn it. I, I just... I think you're going to have our Anders Carlson to start the year, but it would not shock me if Green Bay drafts another kicker, um, which is frustrating. That's the only blemish on Brian Gunacus' 2023 draft. The 2023 draft for Brian Gunacus is absolutely absurd, uh, but the fact that Andre Carl- Anders Carlson is a part of it is unfortunate. Um, one keg to the end of the first half. That was a complete clusterfuck uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Um, it just that needs to be better. Um, they were th- that if you had to point out where they were tight, it was the Carlson miss. It was the end of the first half, and you know I think it was Ross Algram who said like Green Bay is doing everything they can to keep Chicago in this game or have Chicago win this game. And I was like, yep. They like had these games you know in the past with you know whether it was the Giants game. The Giants game is the one that stands out, but where it's like they just did dumb shit and they still are a bit undisciplined. And I think it's, again, that, you know, college team on steroids. They do college football mistakes. And it was, it, that was certainly tough. And, you know, had Green Bay been able to get even six, like even eight, or even three, right? And you're up, I think they would have been up 10-6 at the break. Um, that would have helped them a long way. That would have gone a long way. Um, and, you know, yeah, you wanted a touchdown, you know, Love did the right thing to try to get out of bounds and get a couple extra yards to help Carlson. But it was just, you know, the Bears the Bears guy made a good play and they ran out of time. And it's unfortunate um, that that was a really tough end of, end of the the, court, the half and they just need, need to be better. 
Um, another one keg to the not having a home playoff game. That sucks. Um, I mean, if the Rams would have lost, you would have played the Lions. And there would have been an outside shot that if the Rams and Packers met in the NFC Championship game, it would have been in Lambeau uh, to go to the Super Bowl. But that is not going to happen. Now, granted, the last time the Packers were in that spot, as you all know, they went to, I think it's the last time that they were the last seed, they went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, and they beat the Bears in the last game of the season. Now, that Bears team was much better. But they beat the Bears, they held them to three points and got to the Super Bowl. So yeah, if you wanna if you wanna kind of place those together, like eh, it feels like 2010, I will tell you it does not. I also kind of want to give a one keg to Joe Barry. I know he they played well, but that sandbagging son of a bitch. Joe Barry, like, this is what you should do, man. Like, you should do this every game. Like, where the fuck was this all year? And this is exactly what happened last year. The guy is like the, the procrastinator who just gets all his work done. And it's like, well, if you were just do this consistently, we wouldn't have these problems. Yet, Joe Barry is just, I can't believe it. And I also ran into Joe Barry. Um, I, I did a great, I mean, this could have easily been a five keg too. Uh, we did a, a private tour for, from our guy, Pat where we just saw the ins and outs of Lambeau. I've, I did it back in like 2014 and so much has changed. Uh, the, the renovations the Packers did inside their facilities looks great. But we we ran into Joe Barry right away. He said, hey guys, whatever. And then he was just running around. Like I was sort of standing in the middle looking at something and Barry touched my shoulder and was like, oops, let me scoot past you big guy. And it was like super friendly. And I'm like, uh, like, <laughs> Like, I really don't like you as like a coach, but you sound like a good guy. So maybe that's why people keep you around. I saw Preston Smith like, oh yeah, it takes hell in the media, but we ride with Joe B. Like, I don't know, man. He's going to fucking keep his job, isn't he? Like that would just, I, 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 we just can't. Like, can we, can Joe Barry just resign? Can he be like, I need to spend time with my grandkids. I don't even know if he has grandkids, but like, uh, but yeah, what a sandbagging son of a bitch. Uh, I just drives me nuts. All right, it's on to Dallas. It's Dallas week. Uh, you got to think the Cowboys, the last team that the Cowboys want to see is the Packers, right? I'll, I'll listen to Cousin Sal later, but I, I have to believe the last team they wanted to see was this Green Bay Packers team. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see what's, what's from there. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. So as good as this Packers thing has been, the Milwaukee Bucks, the vibes are low for the Bucks. Uh, they lose to the Houston Rockets. They try to come back. Uh, they lose 112 to 108. Admittedly, I didn't have eyes on this game. Um, ha- I will probably do a deeper dive on it and talk to you guys after Bucks Jazz tonight because I, I think I might want to do a little more on trying to fix the Bucks. Uh, Damian Lillard at 18 points and was 5 of 16. He's out tonight for personal reasons. Uh, Giannis had 48 and 17. And the Bucks still lose this game. Uh, they had a spirited effort in that fourth quarter. Uh, you know, Andre Jackson Jr. and Bochamp, you know, got more minutes. Um, you know, Bochamp played 23 and had a really solid day. Jackson, even though he had one point in this game, was still a defensive stalwart. Um, and so we'll see now, you know, what they do without Lillard and see how it works and see what could potentially, you know, be on the precipice. But yeah, it is a complete mess. People are blaming Adrian Griffin. People are blaming the team, the lack of depth on this Bucks team. 
And it's, yeah, it, this has been easily the roughest week for the Bucks since that sort of 10 game stretch where the Bucks are five and four and people are talking about firing Adrian Griffin. You know, I, I think the, the problem with getting rid of Griff is just, he can't necessarily, I don't know what your solution is. It's kind of unheard of. Now, granted, sports change. Things happen in sports all the time. Uh, you know, I, I think there are examples. I don't know. You People who watch soccer would have to tell me. But there is, it, there's situations where soccer managers get sacked in the first, the first time they're managers. And they just are like, all right, we made a mistake. We'll eat the contract and we'll go with somebody else. Um, I think it has, it, I don't think it's happened really in baseball. Hockey maybe is the other example where it has, it has occurred, but usually it's one year and it's a one and done thing. And then they're like, all right, we're, we're going to reset and do this. And that's sort of the theme from what I, I gathered was Giannis is trying hard and nobody else is. And Damian Lillard looks a little checked out now out for, with personal reasons right before a massive, you know, stretch of games here. You know, they play the Jazz and the Jazz did have a win over the Philadelphia 76ers, no Embiid in that game, uh, and won in double overtime and now have a back-to-back against the Bucs. This really is setting up nicely for the Bucs. The Bucs should be able to win. I think that's right, right? Did I see that or was that the night before? That might have been the night before, sorry. That was Saturday they beat the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz won. So Jazz had off. But oh no, they didn't. That was a double overtime game. I'm sorry. Apologize. Uh, Lambo brain on that one. Uh, but yeah, the Jazz were able to win on the road in Philadelphia on Saturday. So the Jazz, but this is now for them, you know, their third game in four nights. Bucks is like five and seven. But now you don't have Dame for it uh, due to personal reasons. And it, it just seems like Giannis is the only one that gives a shit. Bobby is a complete mess. And I just don't know if they can wait for Jay Crowder. Now they say Jay Crowder is back to playing five on five this week and he might be able to go for that Boston game, which would be amazing. But I I just don't know exactly, you know, is that going to be the silver bullet? Is that gonna completely fix the Bucks? And how do the Bucks sort of get back to having fun? And that's to me, you know, a really, you know, important thing that Adrian Griffin has to figure out. And Adrian Griffin, you know, the points in the paint thing is not getting better. And it's so weird that we've went from cutting off all, or basically allowing every three-pointer to fall, you know, with Mike Boonholzer and protecting the paint to now we're, you know, sort of harassing the three-point line and we're allowing easy buckets. And it's like, it's such a hard give or take because I think we got so frustrated with Budenholzer. We got so frustrated with the idea that Bud would, you know, let teams just go to town and there would be no adjustments. And it's like, can we get something in the middle? It's like leaving a job that's like super hard, right? And you go to this next job and the job is super easy. And you're like, wow, this is great. Like, but you you kind of miss some of those elements of that hard job. You miss you know, some of the deadline stuff, you miss doing, you know, some of the work that you did and you're not feeling as fulfilled. And that's sort of where I think we are. And I just don't know, you know, what are our solutions? I want to dive in more. Uh, I want to, you know, and so, but I, I did want to talk about it a little bit, even though I didn't have eyes, unfortunately, on the game itself. It's like, it's just, they need to sort of try to fix whatever's going on with this team 
And if it is just Adrian Griffin is really that much of a problem and the only way to solve it is to get rid of him, and whether it's higher Terry Stotts, whether it's higher Kenny Atkinson, um, which I don't know if Kenny would leave the, the Warriors bench. Um, there's a lot of issues right now with Golden State. Um, so I, I, I have no idea. I have no clue, you know, what where, where the end game is there. But I just wonder, like, what's going to fix this Bucks team? Is it a win over the Celtics, right? Is it just beating a team that you've had some massive issues against? Is that the straw that's going to start stirring this drink? Or do you need something completely different? But it's been a mess. Um, and I know you're like, well, the Bucks are 25 and 10. And it's like, yeah, that is true. The Bucks are 25 and 10. That is, that's great. Like, that's good for the Bucks that they're 25 and 10. But when, you know, using the Celtics as, you know, an example, because the Celtics are the best team right now, I think in the NBA standings wise, the Celtics, you know, blew out the Jazz, took care of business on Friday night and were able to just, you know, they pulverized them. It was really not a game from the start. And they were able to sit their guys. They were able to, you know, then have basically a full team on Saturday in Indiana, in Indianapolis playing the Pacers who had beat them in the in-season tournament the last time they played and the Celtics kicked their ass. They held the Pacers to 101 points. And so you look at that in juxtaposition with the Milwaukee Bucks and you're like, we're just not there yet. Even though we're three and a half back from that top spot, like we are not, uh, we are not, you know, we're not there. We are, we are not there for where the Bucks are, are potentially at. So I, I just think that it's a, uh, it's definitely one of those things where I, I think the Bucks sort of need to, need to figure it out and need to figure out, all right, you have this jazz game tonight, take care of business, beat a team you're supposed to, and then you have two two days off before you play Boston. And you're getting Boston on a back-to-back against Minnesota. If Boston wants to rest Tatum or they want to rest Horford for this game, fine. I don't care. Beat Boston, then you play a Golden State team where, again, the vibes are similar to the Bucks and maybe worse. And then you have the Kings who are a different team away from the beam, right? So you can get kind of going here. And it's kind of time. Like, yes, you're 25 and 11, but you you look very fraudulent. And I think that that's the general consensus right now. Um, but like I said, I, you know, we'll have this game on tonight uh, in accompaniment with the national championship. And then also, you know, look at, you know, what happened in the Rockets game um, and kind of do a little more on the Bucks tonight uh, for tonight's show. So stay tuned for all that um, and definitely, you know, hope things are better uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. As things that also like Packers were the only good thing about this weekend because <laughs> uh, Marquette uh, also had their own issues. Uh, Marquette loses the Seton Hall 78 to 75. Uh, the Golden Eagles started hot. Uh, it was 23 to 13 in the first half and you're like okay they're gonna kind of make a statement here on the road they're gonna kind of do what i had hoped and i i looked at that team and i was like okay this is a perfect matchup for marquette they are they're really looking good we talked about it a lot of, on friday's show that they just kind of had exactly what you needed against this seton hall team and then it did not work out that way uh, seton hall was able to beat marquette seton hall will likely 
be ranked after this game. Marquette fell to 14th in Kempom. Um, but yeah, it just, it never was the same. You know, Marquette gets outscored then 22 to 14 in that second quarter, quote unquote, of the first half. And then, you know, Seton Hall is sort of able to basically play keep away. Uh, Marquette, I don't think they ever got a lead. It was 28 to 26 was the last lead they had in the first half. And in the second half, they they just did not, you know, show up. And part of it was Tyler Kolick. Tyler Kolick had arguably his worst game as a Marquette player or since sort of the rise of Tyler Kolick. Five points overall. Um, he was one of six uh, from the field. He had only three turnovers, but it just was not a good game for Tyler Kolick. He had the second worst offensive rating besides Ben Gould uh, at 84 out of 100, uh, which is terrible. Um, and I have a theory, uh, and it, the guys who were with me this weekend, I, was, I, I, I realized a couple things about myself. I realized I'm a theory guy. I realized I like playing cards. I feel like every male likes playing cards, but like we played Euchre for probably like two hours and we're drinking, very Wisconsin. But man, I had fucking fun. Like that was, that was like, that's an awesome game. Like another five keg to Euchre. But anyways, I was handing out a lot of theories this weekend, but I have a theory on Tyler Kolick. My Tyler Kolick road theory is this. I think he needs to like have headphones before like warming up. Like I think he needs to put AirPods in or put Beats in and just lock it and not worry about what everybody else is saying about him. Because now this is two straight road games where fans have talked shit to him and he's just, it's let him, it's got, got under his skin. And I know he's like the fuck him guy. I know that he plays with an edge on his shoulder or chip on his shoulder, if you will. But like, it seemingly affects him. Like the Providence people were like, oh, Tyler can't read, Tyler can't read. And then he went and it was not a great, you know, from all accounts, not exactly a great game against Providence. You know, Marquette was, you know, not playing well. Like in that game, he did have 21 points, but it was on seven of 15 shooting. So like, and he had three turnovers in that game. So, I mean, the the stat line against Providence is pretty good. It's hard to argue that, but then he had it again against Seton Hall and it's like, just ignore the fucking noise, buddy. Like, just ignore the noise. Like, how you're just... Right now, he's a different player on the road. And he needs to just sort of block out whatever's going on and what people are saying to him. And they need to start figuring out how they can win on the road. And you had Chaka Smart call out his team after the game and said, we need guys to practice and come with the same passion as Oso Iguodara every day. Which... I don't exactly like, I like and I hate that. I like it because yes, you should hold these guys accountable. You should make practice hell. You have two games at home this week where you should take care of business against Butler on Wednesday and Villanova on Monday afternoon. And you can, you know, kind of lay, try to lay the smack down before heading to St. John's. But like they basically, is it like, is it a focus issue? And then it's like, but it kind of puts Oso in a bad spot. Because now he like he looks like the quote unquote teacher's pet, and now Oso was great in this game. Like Oso was excellent. Like he had, I think he had twenty two points uh, in this one. Yeah, twenty two. Uh, had eight rebounds, three assists, two blocks, three steals. I like, got a massive stat line uh, in this game. Actually, was MVP of Ken, the Ken Palm quote unquote MVP, even though Marquette was lost this game. So I I, I just. 
Oso just needs, yes, that that is true. Um, but I, I I hope Oso then takes the leadership role. I think Kolik is a leader, but maybe it needs to be Oso for a little bit. And yeah, so maybe the Tyler Road theory isn't as strong. I should have looked at that Providence again, Lambo brain. But I, I just think he needs to drown out the noise a little bit. And hopefully Marquette can figure it out. Again, getting two home road game, home games is nice. But now you go to Madison Square Garden against St. John's. And St. John's has looked pretty solid so far. And it'll be, you know, same same type of game. It'll be 11 a.m., you know, big crowd, like, and a crowd that's kind of after you. And the St. John's energy is back, will be back. Like, I can't think of a way where the crowd will be dour or be sad. Like, it'll be, it'll be pretty, pretty strong. And that's going to be a really tough game for Marquette. They play Providence at Carneseca, and then they go to Creighton and Seton Hall. So that's a tough little stretch for St. John's before they play Marquette. But still, I have to think that that is going to be a raucous crowd. And maybe what Marquette needs to fix their road woes is go back to where they won the Big East Championship. So we'll have to we'll have to see if that's the case. All right, that does it for today's truncated uh, Monday show. Hope you guys still enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more about the Packer playoffs. We'll talk about the Bucks. And maybe give some national championship thoughts as well, um, just for for the people, right? Because I think it's going to be an excellent game. I hope it's an excellent game. I don't want to blow up. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.